Welcome to the Word of Grace podcast. As a community, we exist to love on God with all that we are and to share His grace with everyone. If you want to connect with us more, head to social media or wordofgracechurch.com. Here's today's episode. Good morning to all. I, uh, it's funny sometimes when you see people that, besides morning time, like an afternoon and night, sometimes even Wednesday night Bible study, people come in and they're like, oh, hey, good morning. Welcome to church today. And so it's a little uh, uh, strange sometimes, but I am so glad to be sharing the word this morning. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in the book of Luke chapter one, Luke chapter one. I'll let you turn there. We're going to be starting in verse five today. And uh, today we're talking about counting on perfection. So every week we've been doing a different, uh, a different note on our series, Count on Christmas, and talking about the things that God is showing us throughout Christmas. So today we're going to be talking about counting on perfection. Uh, do you guys have a uh, holiday mishap or two that you can recall in maybe the last five years? Any, anyone have like a crazy mishap? Maybe, I mean, for some of us, unfortunately, last year was like, oh, I wasn't even able to celebrate Christmas because I, you know, caught COVID or something. Or maybe uh, uh, maybe you cooked this nice giant turkey or ham and then realized you were cutting it. It was still raw at time of serving. Anyone have any crazy mishaps? Oh, yeah. Don't raise your hand if you had the raw turkey because no one will want to come to your house for Christmas. So uh, anyways, but... Uh, the perfect Christmas, the perfect um, holiday season. We all want this perfect holiday season, don't we? Don't we? What would a perfect holiday season look like? Maybe everyone's gathered around the table, no one's sick, and they're just eating all the delicious food and saying, wow, this is the best turkey I've eaten in a very long time. That'd be a pretty good, you know, holiday uh, season, uh, a perfect holiday season, or maybe the kids, the kids are just so well behaved um, because you keep threatening them that Santa will not bring them anything uh, for the past two weeks, or the elf on the shelf is watching them, or all these sort of threats. Maybe your kids are just being great for these two weeks of holiday season. Some parents would agree that would be a perfect holiday season. Uh, Maybe the husband helps clear the dishes after the meal, right? Does that sound like I I see some nudges going on like, come on, you can. That would be a great holiday season. And so uh, I'm going to read a couple of mishaps uh, that have happened in the holiday season. There's a, a newspaper article that someone wrote. Their top 10 uh, holiday mishaps that have happened in the season. Are you ready for this? So <clears throat> number 10, Rascal, our 120-pound Labrador, sat on the red velvet cake in the back of the car on the way to Grandma's house. This particular cake required three trips to the grocery store to buy enough red food coloring, which, by the way, is very difficult to get out of dog fur and car carpet. Number nine, my mother-in-law put the turkey in the oven and forgot to turn the oven on. So you can imagine uh, when no one was smelling cooked turkey, what happened? Number eight, Uncle William kindly sent a turducken, which is a boneless turkey, stuffed with a boneless duck, stuffed with a boneless chicken, stuffed with stuffing. It turns out it needed to thaw prior to cooking. While the outer turkey crisped nicely, the inner layer remained a chicken popsicle. Imagine trying to cut that the holiday season. Number seven, while changing the sterno fuel at our Christmas Eve fondue dinner, I broke the handle on the fondue pot and spilled boiling oil all over the dining room table. At 10 p.m. one Thanksgiving, the 26-pound stuffed turkey still wasn't done. 
My family revolted and ate the meal without him. 10 p.m., Thanksgiving dinner, right? Number five, mom made a coconut cake using a real coconut, which my brother split with an axe, and I hand-grated until my knuckles bled. While carrying the laborious, me, uh, the laborious cake to the dining room table, I tripped. The cake went flying through the air and landed upside down on the shag carpet. There's no reviving that unless you eat the, just the bottom layer that's, you know, the only part that's not touching the carpet. So everyone gather around and grab a spoon. Number four, we were so late for Christmas Eve service at church that they turned us away at the door because there was no room in the inn. We were so irritated with the kids that we made them walk home. Number three, the following Christmas Eve, we all got a bad case of the giggles during a particularly dreadful Oh Holy Night solo and silently laughed so hard that the pew was shaking. Number two, a giant palmetto bug. I don't know if you know what those are. They're roaches in Florida, but to sound sanitary, we say they're palmetto bugs. So a giant palmetto bug gargantuan roach crawled out of a candy-filled Easter basket one year. While this didn't happen at Thanksgiving and Christmas, it's a holiday image that sticks with you forever. And number one worst one for her, holiday mishap. This year, I was uh, making a pie, and uh, by the end, I went to put my engagement ring on that my fiancé just approached me with, and I could not find it. Till this day, I still have misplaced it. So either someone ate it out of the pie or went down the drain or something. But that is her worst holiday mishap, uh, is losing her engagement ring. We all want this perfect holiday season, right? And reality is we won't ever have everything perfect this holiday season. But we do have perfection that we can count on that will never change. So we're going to look at a story here that doesn't make the Christmas reading before presents. Right, A lot of times we go to uh, the birth of Jesus and the call of Mary and, and everything. But we're going to look at a kind of a preview to this Christmas story. Anyone go to the movies early for previews? You get that big giant, it, it's like a whole thing. You, you need to spend $150, first off, to go to the movies. And second, you get the bucket of popcorn, the drink, maybe you throw the peanut M&Ms in there to get all melty. Then you sit down 20 minutes before to watch the previews, right? And so some people, anyone a preview fan? Anyone like, I just want to get straight to the movie. Why did they add the preview time in the movie? Anyone? Because they say it's like two and a half hours, but then with previews, I mean, you're looking at almost three hours, right? So this is going to be a preview to the Christmas story. We're going to be in Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 5. And we're going to read this story, and then we're going to talk about it. Uh, a little mishap, a little hiccup that happened in this story. So Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 5. Here we go. There was in the days of Herod, king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abijah, and he had a wife of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. And they had no child because that Elizabeth was barren, and they were both now well stricken in years, a.k.a. Shakespearean. They were really old. Now it came to pass, while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to enter into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying 
without at the hour of incense. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zacharias was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Fear not, Zacharias, because thy supplication is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and he shall drink no wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. That'll mess with some people's theology, right? He was filled with the Holy Spirit even in his mother's womb. Let's keep going. And uh, many of the children, verse 16, shall he turn unto the Lord their God, and he shall go before his face in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to walk in the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared for him. Verse 18, and Zechariah said unto the angel, whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife well stricken in years. And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak unto thee, and to bring thee these good tidings. And behold, thou shalt be silent, and not be able to speak, until the day that these things shall come to pass, because thou believest not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they marveled while he tarried into the temple. And when he came out, he could not speak unto them, and they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, and he continued making signs unto them, and remained dumb." And it came to pass when the days of his ministration were fulfilled, he departed unto his house. And after these days, Elizabeth, his wife, conceived, and she hid herself five months, saying, Thus hath the Lord done unto me in the days wherein he looked upon me to take away my reproach among men. And so uh, this is the story of the birth of John the Baptist and uh, being conceived. And uh, it's a crazy setup here because it's been close to almost 400 years since the last prophet Malachi, which is the last book of the Bible. And now God has a message for his people again. So can you imagine uh, 400 years of not hearing from God? So they're starting to wonder, what is going on over here? And so we're going to kind of go through this story and see here, because this is quite a hiccup. You're not expecting children. You're very, very old. All of a sudden, an angel comes from heaven. You see an angel. He tells you, you're going to have a child. Anyone think that's a little bit of a hiccup in in normal everyday life? Right? You think your hiccup is your life for work. Try having an angel come down into your room and say, you're going to have a child when you're really old. That's a hiccup. Right? And so we go through, and uh, we start in verse 6, uh, where I want to um, I want to point out real quick. So verse 6, it says, uh, And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. And they had no child, because that Elizabeth was barren, and they both were now well stricken in years. So they were both righteous and blameless before God, right? They're following His commandments. They, they followed God. They loved Him. Yet they were barren. Uh, So their childlessness was not due to sin by any means, but it was God's sovereign and wise plan for them. Just because something bad is happening in our lives, it doesn't mean that's necessarily we're doing something bad. Right? We have these these hiccups in our life, things that come about. Maybe someone's ill in our family, or maybe a loved one has passed, or maybe all these things are going on, and we think, God, what did I do to deserve this? Right? Well, it says here that they were literally blameless, yet she was barren. And back then, being barren was a a 
she was kind of stigmatized because um, when you have children, they would be the ones that would take care of you. So if your husband passed away and you were left alone by yourself, there would be no one to take care of you. And so if you had a child, you had a son, he would take on the name, he would be able to take care of her and everything like that. So if you didn't have children, you were stigmatized back then. Just imagine how many times Zacharias and Elizabeth would pray day after day after day. God, give us a child. God, give us a child. You ever prayed for something before for a super long time and it just, it's almost like you give up. Like, oh, I guess there's some sort of something blocking my communication between me and God and I just, you know, I don't know what else to do. Maybe I should give up on praying. Zacharias was chosen out of 20,000 priests at the time by a lot to enter the temple of the Lord to burn incense. Uh, do you guys think that's a coincidence by any means that Zacharias was chosen and this is when this decided to take place? Uh, Pastor Randy a couple weeks ago talked about uh, divine moments uh, that were mentioned beforehand. This I don't believe in coincidence. I don't know about you, but I don't believe in coincidence. I believed in God-ordained moments. And this was a God-ordained moment. God is saying, hey, I'm going to speak to you here. You're going to have a child. I'm going to set this up. So out of 20,000 people, Zacharias gets chosen for this moment. So what do we learn here? We need to be ready for these moments, these moments of, uh, of divine times that where it could be something simple. It could be going to someone's house and maybe praying for them. It could be someone just kind of on the side of the road and maybe you speak a word of encouragement to them. It could be at your job, something you're doing where this divine moment that God has set up beforehand for you to go and say something to that person that God has told you to say, a word of encouragement, speaking life into them. Are we going to be ready for those divine moments? And so Zacharias has this divine moment here. And, uh, and he's ready for them. I'll tell a lot of the students a lot of times, um, make sure you're ready for these divine moments to happen. Uh, I've seen so many times where students have just invited a friend to church before, and they ended up, hey, they invited them to camp, they get saved, they get baptized, and, and some of them go into ministry. That is a divine moment where you met this person for a reason. There is no coincidence. We may have plans, and God may say, oh, you know, your plans, you know, I love how... how how almost cute that is that you have these plans that you've come up with yourself. But God determines the outcome. And so we can make plans day in and day out and day in and day out, but God determines the outcome. And so I always encourage students, hey, never miss an opportunity to talk with a student or to pray with one of your friends or something because you never know this could be God-ordained moments in your life. Will we be ready for them? And so in verse 11, as we continue, it says, an angel appears to him. Now, this wasn't just any angel, right? This is Gabriel, the CEO of angels, right? He says, do not be afraid. Isn't it interesting? Almost every time an angel comes in, he has to tell the people, do not be afraid. It's not because he looks like a little chubby cherub with a bow and arrow rating to, you know, it's, it's not like a cute little baby floating with wings would come up. Oh, what a cute little angel. No, this is like beast of an angel showing up right there next to you. And Zacharias is like, uh, yeah, do not be afraid. A lot of times angels have to tell people that. Do not be afraid of what you see. And so he goes through and it, 
I mean, angels, they, they just looked amazing. Read about it in the Bible. And uh, this was one bad-looking angel. I mean, just scary, right? All-powerful. And so he goes on to say in verse 13, Your prayer has been answered. Interceding on behalf of Israel as a nation was a lot of times what these priests would do. And, uh, you know, it could have been a petition just for a child. He may not have given up on praying. I want to let you know today that if there's something that you've been praying for day after day after day, don't give up. Keep on praying. If it's for a loved one that's being saved, keep on praying. Don't stop. Don't just pray for two days and then just give up on it. No, keep on praying for something. Yes, I pray that my mom would get saved or my dad would get saved or that this would happen. Don't stop praying. Pray without ceasing because you never know. You may be one prayer short of a miracle taking place. Don't give up on prayer. I was at a, uh, when I was growing up, I went to a, a Christian private school and there was a girl in the class and I went up with her through the grades and I remember she started, I think it might have been kindergarten, first grade, praying that her dad would get saved every day, that my dad would get saved, that my dad would get saved. And you know, after a while, we'd be like, okay, we know what her prayer request is going to be, that her dad would get saved. And year after year after year, and then one day she comes in and she says, hey, my dad got saved. I mean, it was, it was crazy amazing. He's a, he's a doctor right now. He's attending church. And all that because of the power of prayer. Don't give up on the power of prayer. Don't give up on prayers. And so Zacharias has been praying time after time, and the angel says, your prayer has been answered. Verse 17, he says, who this child is going to be. He says, he will go before him, making ready for the Lord a people Prepared. Let me use this in terms that some of us can understand, football terms. He's going to be the fullback to Nick Chubb. All right? John the Baptist is going to be the forerunner for Christ. So the forerunner, he's going to go, he's going to prepare the hearts of the people, he's going to let them know that someone's coming. And so that's what I love so much. It's almost, This story is almost just like a preview because there's no way anyone's going to believe a virgin birth coming up. So let's start out a little smaller, really, really old couple having a child, and she was barren. So it's almost like in this writing, it's like Luke saying, hey, I'm going to give you a little preview of the importance of John the Baptist here, because this next story is going to blow your mind, right? And so uh, he goes through and he says, he, it's going to be a... Uh, uh, for the Lord, a people prepared. And so he's going to be the forerunner for Jesus here. So then Zacharias uh, makes an excuse in verse 18. He comes in. How many times has God told us something's going to happen and we make excuses about it, right? I mean, how many times in the Bible has God commanded, hey, do this? And, oh, I don't know. I'm, I'm not really fit for that. Or, oh, I don't like to, you know, I'm not an extrovert, so I'm not able to do that. Or, oh, I don't have enough. You know, I need to keep a little bit of money stashed away. Just I, I can't give, you know, some amount there. And so Zacharias makes an excuse, which is, hey, I'm old. We're barren. Like, angel, I don't know if you know everything, but I'm an old guy. And Gabriel then goes on to give his resume, right? And he silenced Zacharias. He's like, do you know who I am? Like, I am all-powerful Gabriel, the angel, CEO of angels. And so he silences 
Zacharias. Now, I could just imagine here, a lot of times when I'm reading um, the Bible, I like to kind of go into my own world and have, you know, kind of act it out of my head. I don't know if some of you guys like to do that, but when I'm reading, I'm like, okay, let's see how this would go. So Zacharias walks out, and he can't talk. And everyone's like praying outside, and, and then he comes out, and they're like, hey, Zacharias, how was it? And then the game of charades was first invented. He cannot speak. So he's just sitting there. And they're like, okay, okay, everyone gather around, gather around. Uh, one word. Angel, scary angel. Just imagine how he's communicating to the, to the people what he just saw. Uh, uh, me and Elizabeth, baby? And they're like, what? Gross, you guys are so old. What is going on here? No, baby. And so he finishes kind of explaining in the best way he can with hand motions as he leaves the temple. Now, I know some of you wives are probably getting some, uh, you're, you're getting the wheels turning here. Maybe if I pray hard enough, my husband will go mute. <laughs> don't start that. I'm telling you, I know God answers prayer, but uh, don't be praying over your husbands. Just imagine Elizabeth, they're, go, they're on their way home and Elizabeth's going, wow, you know, I... Uh, You've never listened so well today to me. You know, I can say whatever I want and you can't really do a thing about it. <laughs> right? Two lessons that I see out of here with this uh, leaving Zacharias mute. Uh, sometimes when we're in doubt of situations, sometimes we just have to shut our mouths and listen. Sometimes when God has told us something or we have something coming around and, and God is saying, this is going to happen in your life, sometimes we just need to be quiet and listen to what God has for us. Sometimes God has something for us and we have so many things speaking into our life. We got news and people and social media and all this nonsense coming in. Maybe God is saying, shut it up for a while. Just listen to what I have to say to you. And so sometimes we just need to shut up, let God do his thing. Sometimes we need to shut up some of the voices that are not godly coming into our lives. Maybe we need to shut those up. Maybe you need to turn off the TV for a week and just listen to what God has for you. The other lesson I see here is uh, Zacharias, when he walked out of the temple, he had good news to share, but he couldn't share it. All of us in here today have good news that we can share, don't we? We have a Savior that was born. He died for our sins so that we didn't have to take the punishment for sin so that we could live with him one day in heaven, bring heaven to earth by loving those around us, yet we choose not to say anything. So maybe that's a challenge for us today is don't get Zacharias syndrome. That's what I like to call it. I just invented that today. Trademark it. Zacharias syndrome. When you don't speak about the good news, you just keep your mouth shut. Maybe this holiday season we look at getting out of the Zacharias syndrome where we talk to people, we speak words of wisdom, we speak love to them. Things that maybe don't matter as much. Maybe the perfect holiday season would be everyone gathered around the table and not talking about politics. 
I read a, a funny meme uh, during Thanksgiving time. They say, hey, if you want to save money on Christmas presents, just bring up politics at Thanksgiving. <laughs> but how many of us today would say, you know what? There's some stuff that really matters, but I need to be careful with what I'm saying. And is it going to be worth what I'm about to say when I could be saying truth and life and love and wisdom towards others this holiday season? Or maybe we're having Zacharias syndrome and we're so caught up where we're so excited to speak about the latest and greatest. Hey, here's what happened on the news. Hey, let's get rid of this person. I could do this thing better. What's going on with the world? All this stuff. But then when it comes to talking about Jesus, the Savior of the world, we're mute. So maybe today the challenge is, let's not have Zacharias syndrome. Let's speak life and truth into others. So we continue on to uh, verse 24 here. It says, Elizabeth was secluded and for five months worshipped and thanked God for this promise. This was just her dwelling in the goodness of God. She had this, this baby. and doesn't say a whole lot about why she was secluded, but think about it. You have five months, and you're just like, wow, this is, God has given me this child, and they've told me what's about to happen. So what a great preview story we have here. This was a preview story for a perfect Savior that would come to earth. The holiday season is not going to be very perfect, if at all. If you're looking for the perfect holiday season, it's probably not going to happen. I uh, Recently, I started, well, I've been watching for a couple years now, Holiday Baking Championship. Anyone like to watch baking shows? I'm not really much of a baker. I like to cook more than actually bake, but I like watching other people bake. Just a lot of work. Sugar cookies, anyone? Anyone already made sugar cookies? Holy smokes. I was like, oh, what an easy recipe. Put it all together. Then you got to do this. Then you got to roll them out. Then you got to cut them out. Then you... Sure, cookies take a lot of work, don't they? And so I'm watching holiday baking, and it's crazy to me um, how the ultimate goal is to win it, right? And so they go through, and they're cooking, and so many mishaps can happen. You could have baked a cake a thousand different times. It's automatic to you. They don't have to measure. Got the eggs, flour, sugar, baked soda, all this stuff. They've done it routine. They can make cakes like nobody's business. But then when the time comes for the competition, sometimes something gets hiccuped in the process. Sometimes someone forgets to put some baking soda in there or baking powder. Or sometimes someone forgets to spray the pan. Oh, man, that's a disaster. Where they got to flip the pan over, slam it. They go to lift. Uh-oh, the cake's not coming out. What's going to happen? All these different mishaps. And what I love so much about these mishaps is that they find a way to figure it out because they keep their eye on the prize. They keep their eye on the prize. And so we may not have a perfect holiday season this year, but we have a perfect Savior, don't we? A Savior that left heaven to come to earth for us. A perfect Savior that put on skin and bones was born in a manger. This was not in some palace. This was not in some huge ordeal where, hey, let's all do all these things, set this all up. No. Where an angel comes and she speaks, and he speaks to Mary and says, you're going to have the Savior of the world. 
I love the part in uh, Mary, Did You Know, where they say, when you kiss the little baby, you have kissed the face of God. Imagine the pressure of having the Savior of the world. Can you imagine that? Just like, I mean, being pregnant in of itself is amazing. And it's a miracle. I don't know if you know this or not, but the, the, the amount of chance that has to take place to be pregnant, it's amazing. And then to be pregnant with the Savior of the world. Imagine the pressure Joseph has now. Oh, I have to raise the Savior of the world? It doesn't say much about Jesus, you know, as a child performing. I can only imagine, you know, like I said, when I read the Bible, some stuff here and there. And so you can just imagine like, oh, you know, a little carpentry action. I'll just cut this board without any tools this time just because that's a lot of work. And Jesus just starts doing little tiny miracles here and there. You ever imagine that before? Like Jesus as a kid? I don't, he didn't do anything mischievous like, oh, that kid bullied me. I'm going to make him, you know, trip into a puddle of water or something like that. But just, I can just imagine, you know, Jesus as a kid, but imagine Joseph, like, wait, I have to raise this child that I'm, I'm technically not even the father of? When the angel gives Mary the news and then Joseph is like, what? What do you mean you're going to have a child, but you're a virgin? Now, no, this is why Luke explains, hey, this lady was a virgin. He was a physician. So he could barely get behind a virgin having a child. This just does not happen. And so it's amazing to me just how this perfect Savior would come to earth. He had to be perfect to cover our sin. Because the punishment for sin is death. And they used to do altars back then with, uh, with sacrifices and, and had to be a perfect animal. But Jesus had to come down because he was the only perfect human being to take our punishment for imperfect people. And so we, the, God doesn't necessarily demand perfection from us when we say, hey, I, I, you know, we're trying to be more like Jesus. We'll never attain that. I'll let you know today, we'll never attain perfection. That's kind of a relief for some of us, right? Where every day we mess up going, God... <laughs> I did that yesterday, and I said I wouldn't do it. Today, I did it again. Today, tomorrow, I'll probably do it again. But you know what? You are a perfect God, and I am so thankful that when Jesus died on the cross, he took all my sin and my shame. His blood covered us, so now we are perfect in God's eyes. And so a perfect, blameless Savior comes down, swaddled in clothes, lying in a manger. You know what's popular today? Cancel culture. Anyone know what cancel culture is? Whatever happened in your past, let's go find it up. Let's go dig it up. I am so thankful that Jesus doesn't believe in cancel culture. Aren't you? I'm so thankful that Jesus believes in grace culture, where it doesn't matter what you did in the past, even yesterday, even 10 minutes ago. I am so thankful that Jesus doesn't go up telling God, hey, let's dig up some of these guys' past mistakes and this guy's past sin and all this stuff. No, you, he has cleansed all of our sin when he died on the cross, and that was the perfect sacrifice. And I am so glad that he doesn't believe in cancel culture because we'd all be history. Try to dig up some of our stuff of our past. And so it's hard because in today's day and age, cancel culture is such a big thing. Let's see what we can find 10 years ago on someone, 20 years ago on someone. But I'm so glad that Jesus came down to earth, a perfect Savior, 
and established grace culture where he forgives us and he forgets and washes us, it says in the Bible, white as snow. White as snow. Uh, Anyone else thankful for that today? I am thankful for that today. That we have the forgiveness of God in our lives. As we close today, we can't count on everything being perfect, but we can count on a perfect Savior. Fulfilling prophecies, miracles taking place. Imperfect situations happening, right? Uh, One thing I want to let you know, in the beginning of Matthew, it talks about the genealogy of Jesus. I want you to look that up sometimes and, and maybe look at the people in that genealogy. I promise you, the genealogy of Jesus does not have perfect people in it. Coincidence? I don't think so. Divine? Yes. So take a look at it in Matthew, how the family of Jesus and and the genealogy, it's not a perfect genealogy, but all that to say, we end up with a perfect Savior. And so how do we react in perfect situations with the family members and, and the things going wrong and people getting ill and all this stuff this holiday season? We look at the prize. We remind ourselves of a perfect Savior. We can't always make it perfect, but we know someone who is perfect. That we can keep our eyes on our perfect Savior, Jesus, the Son of God that has forgiven us of our sin. That is counting on perfect. And as we close this morning, I just want everyone to bow your heads and close your eyes. And maybe some of us today, we just need to be focused on our perfect Savior this holiday season, where we can count on perfection. There's going to be hiccups, there's going to be mishaps, there's going to be things messing up this holiday season, but we can always go back and look at our perfect Savior, who was born, covered our sin. So maybe some of us here today are saying, you know what, I'm not focusing on the right things this holiday season. Maybe today's your time you spend with God saying, God, I just need a reminder of you. You being perfect. And that not everything's going to be perfect in life every single day. Not everything's going to be perfect this holiday season. But we can count on perfection through you. Maybe that's you today. I always like to give an invitation before I close. Maybe today you're saying, you know what? I haven't made a decision to follow this perfect God. I haven't made a decision to invite and accept this gift of salvation in my life. Maybe today's the first time you're saying, you know what, today, I don't know what this all means. I don't know what this all about. I know who Jesus is and how he was born and died for my sin. I've heard all this stuff, but I never made a decision to follow Jesus. Maybe today's the first time you want to do that. Say for the very first time in my life today, I want to make a decision to follow Jesus and accept his gift of salvation. If that's you, would you just raise your hand real quick and put it back down? Anyone else? That's great. That's awesome. Let's pray today. God, we thank you so much that you have this preview story for us, for the forerunner of Jesus who is to come. 
And God, everything from Zacharias being muted and this miracle happening where Elizabeth is is barren. She cannot have children, yet you provide a miracle for John the Baptist. God, let us never forget you still do miracles today. Let us never forget, God, that you still care about us, that our prayers still matter to you. As many times as we pray them, I pray if someone's in here today and they're praying, that they would not stop praying for the situation they're going through, that they would continue on. God, for those of us in here maybe have Zechariah syndrome where maybe we're scared to share life and truth with others of the perfect Savior that came down to earth, I pray today that you would help us, that you would remind us not to have the Zechariah syndrome, not to not share the good news. God, this holiday season with all the things that could go wrong, God, I pray that we would remember to keep you as the central focus. You, Jesus, the perfect Savior of the world who lived to die for us, coming down from heaven. We thank you so much for this gift. Help us never forget it this holiday season. Lord, I pray for those that have raised their hands to accept you as Jesus. I pray that this is only the beginning, the start of their relationship with you. We love you and thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, I encourage you, if you raised your hand this morning to accept Jesus for the very first time, if you could just stop at the Connect Center or come find one of the pastors, we'd love to talk with you more about what it means to accept this gift of Jesus in your life and to follow him from here on out. Let's worship. Hey, thanks for joining us today. We pray this message has been a blessing to you. If you've enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to leave us a review. It helps others find this content. If you want to connect with us, head over to social media or go to Word of